Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome in to Duval Daily presented by GenJag.com. I'm Jordan DeLugo. Thank you so much for tuning in. As you can all see if you're on YouTube, really, really special guest. John Shipley of Jaguar Report here for the first time on Duval Daily. Really stoked to have you here, John. Hey, how you doing, brother? I'm fired up. Fired up to talk some speculation, off-season speculation yes, here. Sir. That's the that's the time of the year, isn't it, John? Yeah, it is. And man, th- thanks for you know having me on first time. Uh, the off-season, you know, we were talking about a little bit beforehand. There are so many like different lulls in it, where points where it's just like you said, people just speculating and. We're deep into it right now. We're we're knee deep. Yes, we are. And so, uh, obviously, today's the first day for Calvin Ridley's reinstatement. We'll talk about that. We've got Combine coming up in a little while, free agency coming up a little after that, and then the draft will be late April. So it's about uh, about a month or so here of just speculation until things start really, uh, start really getting into full swing here. But I'd like to remind y'all, everybody hit up John on Twitter. Follow him, one of the best follows on Jaguars Twitter, at underscore John underscore Shipley. And go check out the YouTube channel, right, for Jaguar Report? Yes, Just sir. at Jaguar Report on YouTube. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, him and Gus are doing a great job with their podcast. Always tune into that. Really appreciate you coming on here, John. So, Jags offseason. Today is the day. Calvin Ridley yeah. is eligible to apply for reinstatement. What are your thoughts on that? Maybe like a I don't know if there's any sort of timeline in your head or any insights you have on that situation. Yeah, no, like it, I, I feel like, you know, somewhere along the lines, somewhere like along the way, the lines of communication about Calvin Ridley's reinstatement process has maybe been lost a little bit. Cause I had somebody tweet at me yesterday, like, so he's not getting reinstated on Wednesday. <laughs> no, you know, like t- today is like you said, the first day he can officially apply for reinstatement. That doesn't technically mean, Today is the day he's going to. It just means today is the first day that he and his, you know, team can officially put that forth toward the league. Uh, all expectations are for him to do so and for him to do so quickly. In terms of a timeline, you know, the, the last really case like Ridley was Josh Shaw in 2019, you know, a former NFL DB who uh, got suspended a year for gambling. And the Super Bowl happened that year on, I want to say it was February 2nd or February 3rd. So it was earlier than it happened this year. And he got reinstated on March 20th. So he, get, he got reinstated, you know, after the new league year began. So it, it might be a process that, you know, takes a couple of weeks. I would imagine he's in the building when, like, the new free agents are, if, you know, any new, if there are any new free agents. So, you know, around around that time, you know, around the time last year that guys like Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, et cetera, got there, that's about the timeline I expect for him. I know people probably, you know, want it to be sooner and they want to see a video of him in Doug Peterson, you know, tomorrow. But, you know, just it's one of those bureaucratic type things that the NFL, you know, it's going to take a little bit. Yeah, it would kind of make sense for them to just be like, well, let's wait for the new league year. And uh, 
but I know that's going to make some folks antsy around here, just sitting around waiting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 Calvin Ridley is like the thing they've been holding on to, you know, like all offseason. And I mean, rightfully so. I, I think, you know, when he's on his game, he's the top 10 receiver and he's going to be a game changer for the offense. But yeah, it, they're they're in the home stretch right now. <laughs> it's just important to remember that. that yep. It's almost over, but there's a little bit more waiting to go. Yeah, man. Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. I mean, just that that top two is your top two receivers looking at that now. Uh, just them and a Doug Peterson offense with Trevor Lawrence throwing the football. I think there's a lot of things that that's going to open up and, and just make the offense so much more explosive. I, I, I think they could both be like 1,200-yard guys next year. Yeah. You know, ESPN, I think it was Seth Walderman, you know, he did a project all year where he was, you know, them and ESPN's data was, you know, looking at receivers, like their deep analytical, you know, yard after catch, getting open, et cetera. And they released like the full season's rankings today. And, you know, you can obviously debate some of it. I think Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram are too low, but all the Jaguars, you know, top four pass catchers are in that 40 to 50 range. And, well, I think that's probably a little low for, you know, those two guys. I do think Ridley is like, the guy that could be like in that top 10, like, you know, a year from now, like he's, he's just a different kind of talent than they've had in years past. And I mean, I, I think people have forgotten rightfully so, cause he's played what, five games in two years, but I mean, dude, dude's incredible. He really is. Yeah. His explosiveness off the line. I think everybody knows about his route running, his ability to catch the football. I think his explosiveness is underrated. Oh uh, yeah. In and out of breaks, off the line, it's just special. It puts people in a blender. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he's going to be in a system now where, you, like, the Jaguars are one of those teams now where, you know, you know that they're going to use guys correctly, you know, at least offensively because, mm-hmm. I mean, they showed that last year. It, there's a reason, what, three guys had the best seasons of their, you know, career, three veteran guys, you know, under Peterson last year. And I think when you combine that with Ridley's talent, like you said, his explosiveness, his route running, I mean, I – Connor Worth SI, you know, he did a bold predictions for all 32 teams. And his for the Jaguars was that Ridley would have a career year in every category. That's kind of my expectation for him. Yeah. And and for him to have a career year, that would be a hell of a year. Because yeah, I mean, exactly. in 2022, he went scorched earth a little bit on the NFL. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I, I think, you know, just in terms of actual like, talent, I think he's the best that they've had since – Jimmy Smith and you know Allen Robinson was obviously fantastic, but I, I just think really is you know different type of receiver. Yeah, he you know A Rob, God bless him. He he was a good player here. I don't think he was quite at that level. I agree with you. Yeah, was, I, I think I think really can be an All Pro level yeah. receiver. You know, whereas Robinson was you know a, a good Pro Bowl you know level receiver. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. So shifting gears a little bit. Your first mock draft, I believe you dropped it late last week. A lot of interesting picks, and it was just a full first-round mock draft. Yes. You know, So the Jaguars were included in there, but you did the picks for all the other teams. I thought you had a lot of really interesting picks. I thought Cam Smith to the Eagles at 10, I was like, damn. I could really see that making a lot of sense with his play style, his demeanor, You know, potentially losing like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Yeah. I thought that was a really insightful one, but – We're here to talk about the Jaguars pick, obviously, 24 overall. Keely Ringo, redshirt sophomore cornerback out of the University of Georgia. Talk to us about it, John. Yeah, you know, I've 
gotten early in my, you know, kind of draft process. I've watched about, you know, five to six guys at each position so far. Ringo was the first, you know, cornerback I watched. And when you watch him, I, I mean, I, I think he just, you know, out of any cornerback I've seen so far in this draft and maybe any player, I mean, he just, he screams, you know, Trent Balky. I mean, Balky, you know, he, he, he wants to draft trades. He, he, even on, on the players that they've hit on in the draft that maybe weren't perceived as projects. Like Tyson Campbell, he was a trades pick. You know, he was a project pick, and he ended up working out wonderfully. You know, Walker Little was a trades pick. You know, guys, you know, like that. And then obviously last year with Trayvon Walker, Devin Lloyd, et cetera. So I, I think Ringo, you know, makes a lot of sense there. I'm not sure if there's a better, you know, height, weight, speed, cornerback prospect in this class. And, I mean, it, it, he's impressive enough at that aspect to the point where – I think even for some of the holes in his game and some of the issues that he has where he may not be a scheme fit for every team, that his combine is likely going to be so impressive that I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he's in, you know, back in top 15 talks, you know, after Indianapolis. I know it seems like a lot of people on social media and mock drafts have kind of cooled on him a little bit. I mean, I obviously had him at 24 overall, but I think after the combine, you're going to see his name kind of rise more and more because he's just that kind of athletic specimen. But on the other hand, you know, he's a traits pick for a reason. You know, he's not a complete player, obviously. He he it, it's a bit of a you know fallacy comparison because they went to the same school, but he does honestly remind me a little bit of Tyson in terms of strengths and weaknesses when he was coming out of Georgia. I'd say Tyson was probably more fluid, whereas Ringo, I think maybe is more explosive in a straight line, you know, if <laughs> if that makes sense. But you know, Ringo. He's not going to have great short area quickness. He's not going to be really a, a terrific zone guy other than playing, you know, deep thirds. But he's somebody who, you know, he has the length, he has the speed to really match up with anybody up and down the field. And, I mean, the beauty of Tyson Campbell has been that he is the speed and the length that he can match up with, you know, fast receivers. He can match up with big guys. He can match up with anybody. And that's the kind of cornerback Ringo is. And, you know, when you watch him, I just I, I just think of, you know, Trent Balky, you know, and – I think like the biggest response to that pick when I made it was people saying, you know, he's not a nickel corner and no, they would never take a corner when they already have two outside corners. They've literally done that two off seasons in a row. Yeah. And I, I think Balky has said time and time again, that he doesn't really care much about, you know, need or even scheme fit. He's basically just taking what he sees as the most talented player and telling the coaches, you know, work with this. And that's what I think he does here. So when people say, would they really take a non-slot corner? Well, they signed Darius Williams when they had to start. Uh, at the time, Shaq Griffin was still a starter. They drafted Tyson Campbell when they had Shaq Griffin and C.J. Henderson. That was before Henderson, you know, was clearly not a fit in Jacksonville. So, yeah, I, th I think they would do that. Yeah, I think they would, too. Looking at their history beyond Trent Baalke, but then especially looking at Trent Baalke, like you've said, this is a guy that absolutely loves traits. Keely Ringo has him. He has them all uh, for the most part when you talk about physical traits. Like 6'2", he's going to be like 205, 210, probably running the four threes, probably leap out of the building. It is going to be a show that he's going to put on an indie. And if you talked about him at this time last year, he was the consensus number one cornerback in this 2023 class. And now I think it looked like his route anticipation and just like his understanding of how deep offenses were trying to attack him looked like it was a, a step below where you want it to be in 2023. But to land someone that talented at 24 from a value proposition, I think it's pretty enticing, honestly. Um, the, the question, though, is you, do you just keep 
stockpiling these athletic marvels? When do you actually go get some guys that are ready to contribute and ready to help your team get over the top like in year one in, in their rookie year? Because you haven't had that at all in Jacksonville over the last few years. All these rookies have developed, but they have not really helped in year one. Yeah, I, I, I think ultimately, you know, when you think about rookies, you know, helping in year one, you think of classes like obviously like the Kansas City Chiefs this year where, you know, they had – multiple defensive backs, you know, the running back, uh, George Kalaftis, you know, all those guys making an impact. And I think the difference is with the Jaguars is, you know, that a lot of times teams who get big years out of their rookie class are teams that had, you know, big glaring holes, you know, moving into the year. And Mm -hmm. the Jaguars maybe didn't have as many of those last year entering the draft because, I mean, they spent so, you know, religiously in free agency that they tried to fill all their biggest holes, I think with a purpose so that they could go into a draft without needing, you know, guys to be impact guys. I I just think their philosophy is with rookies is that, you know, it's a process and it might not happen in year one. I, I, that's obviously, I think the mindset across the NFL is that rookies are going to take a little bit, but I'm not sure just with the way, you know, they think philosophy wise that they're ever going to be in a process where they're like, okay, let's take the, you know, high ceiling, you know, year one guy who over, you know, the guy we think could long-term be better, you know, otherwise they would have taken, you know, Aiden Hutchinson at number one. Right. So I will say, I think as the draft moves on, I think he takes, you know, like I think in probably day two, he takes more players like that. Like Luke Fortner, for example, and Chad Muma, you know, Muma obviously tested like a great athlete, but he's not a prototypical linebacker prospect, you know, just because of his size and short arms. And then Fortner, you know, he, he's a good athlete, but he, he wasn't Creed Humphrey or anything. So uh, both those guys, I think, were more, you know, like, you know, they were obviously productive seniors. I think those were guys that were kind of ready impact guys, whereas in the early rounds, I think he's trying to just hit on trades. And I'm not sure that's going to change. Yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree with you there. And I know that might disappoint some people, but We'll see how it all plays out here in the draft for the Jaguars. One more name I wanted to bring up at 24 because Jim Nagy, the senior bowl director, brought him up. Derek Hall, Auburn edge rusher. He's a little a shade under 6'3". He's got 34 and 3'8 inch arms, which is really good length for, for his height. And he's also got you know strength for his – he's only 256 pounds. Like he looks a little undersized, but he looks rocked up, got the length. Uh, what do you think about – potentially Derek Hall at 24 to the Jaguars. It, it, it's a little rich for me when I watched him. It didn't, you know, scream first round edge prospect. I thought there was a lot to like with him. You know, you mentioned his length and his power. I think he's really explosive off the line. Uh, he's really physical. I think, you know, I, I I don't like the place, you know, really grades until athletic testing is available, but off, off film, I'd be comfortable somewhere, you know, in like the second to third round range with them. I think, like I said, 24 is a bit rich. And I think, you know, that was probably Nagy trying to hype up, you know, one of those one of his guys. guys. Yeah. But I also think he's somebody who, you know, kind of makes sense for the Jaguars just, you know, with his production, with, you know, obviously where he played in the SEC, his ability, you know, he can – rush hands down he can rush hand uh, standing up you know he has a lot of length that i think he's a guy who does make sense for them at 24 not so much but i mean in the second round i i think he's a guy who'd make a lot of sense i agree with you completely i have you know right in the middle of day two is where i'm pretty much valuing him at this point and 
the reason is you don't see a pass rush skill set from a from a like an arsenal. He has the traits, right, with the length, with the power, um, with the overall athletic um, build, but does not have the pass rush arsenal. Does not have the 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 counters. I don't think he really has the ability to win around the edge all that often with his bend, but length, strength, uh, straight line speed. I think you see all that stuff, and those are things that Trent Baalke has valued in the draft, as we've talked about. So you yeah, you basically ahead. described Trayvon, <laughs> like Trayvon's like, yeah, Trayvon Walker. So like like you said, that, that's exactly you know why I think you know he's a fit. You know, I think anybody expecting the Jaguars to take these two hundred and thirty pound guys who can bend around the edge, you know, but, you know, not have much sand in their pants. So like, I, I, I think those days, you know, are over. Yeah, I was curious. I think Will McDonald is fascinating out of Iowa State, specifically for the Jaguars, because he is lighter at 241 pounds, but he's like six foot three or six foot four with 35 plus inch arms. I know that Balky loves that length. Yeah. And uh, if you can keep guys off of your body, your weight doesn't matter as much. So. I think he's going to be an interesting name to watch too. Is there anyone else you have your eye on at 24 right now? I think it's obviously probably a long shot if Witherspoon gets there. Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, if he gets there at 24. It, it, it's honestly like too early in the process for me to confidently say it's a long shot because just because, you know, NFL Network or ESPN might have in the top two or three corners. Like we see year after year guys who are ranked highly, you know, fall into that late first round range. So, He's somebody who I, I'm really interested by. Uh, Brian Branch from Alabama is another one. I think mm-hmm. if you're talking about the pure, you know, need for a nickel, I think he's the best nickel, you know, in the draft. I think he'll go higher than 24, but, I mean, s- safeties don't normally get drafted, you know, extremely high, especially a guy who is more of a hybrid like him. So I could honestly see him at 24. And then uh, Musgrave from Oregon State, Luke Musgrave, you know, he's somebody who, you know, if you want that kind of athletic backup to Evan Ingram, if you want to add like a pass catcher potentially on day two, he's somebody who I think, you know, looks like a Doug Peterson, you know, type tight end. You know, he's a easy route runner, good hands, you know, glides kind of in and out of his breaks. You know, he's obviously not going to be a blocker. He's more of a big receiver. And again, he's another kind of traits guy, but I think he could be like a Dan Arnold plus type yeah, I think he screams Doug Peterson. Just the moment I saw him on tape, I was like. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This guy just looks like, you know, a hybrid of Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Honestly, yeah. uh, you know, somewhere in between those two football players. Uh, so, yeah, I think he would be exciting. Brian Branch, I think that'd be a fantastic pick if they're able to land him at 24. And same thing with Devon Witherspoon because, and you mentioned maybe he could fall. I do think it's potential he could fall because he's not going to have great size. Yeah. Devon Witherspoon, you know, I think he's going to be in the 180 pound range, maybe 185, yeah. and was a zero star recruit, uh, does not have the pedigree. So, there might be a chance that some teams are like, well, maybe we can get someone who we think has a higher ceiling. And and there might even, you know, like you said, the size, there might be some teams who pigeonhole him as like a nickel-only type guy because, you know, he played both nickel and outside. And at college, you know, obviously think that he's shown that he can play outside. But that's also kind of why, you know, I think he could be an enticing pick for the Jaguars is, you know, no, no matter where you need him, I think he could kind of fill in that secondary. Yeah, and he would bring the exact type of energy and mindset you're looking for from a uh, from a cornerback here in Duval for sure. So switching gears a little bit, you mentioned Evan Ingram. Wanted to ask you these offensive, these key offensive pieces in free agency for the Jaguars, Evan Ingram and Jawan Taylor. As we've moved forward a little bit, we get a little bit closer. You have any inklings or feelings about how these two situations play out? I I, I still think that, you know, if I had to make a prediction, you know, today that Evan Ingram is going to remain a Jaguar, you know, whether that means he signs a contract before March 15th or they franchise tag him with that being just a vehicle for them extending contract talks, you know, like they did with Cam Robinson last year when, you know, they franchise tagged him and then he signed his contract a few days. I think it was like actually a day before the draft. I could see that happening. So I, I still think he's going to be a Jaguar. I, I don't think the Jaguars are going to let, you know, the, the guy that they know walk away because, you know, it, it is, are there other tight ends who can match Ingram's production in Jacksonville last year? Yeah, probably, but they don't know that, you know, they do know that they can get Evan Ingram, you know, this kind of production. They do know that he's a good fit for their culture and they do know that he's a good fit, you know, with Trevor Lawrence. So the, I mean, they, these are all, when you're talking about building a team, you know, it's a lot easier to go with the knowns against, you know, the unknowns because I mean, he was an unknown last year and it was a bigger world of dice. I think the sign him last year than it is to sign him now, because now you at least have evidence in the history of, you know, knowing that you can make it work with him. So I do think he'll be back. I, I, I think, you know, him signing, you know, still, you know, 12 and a half, maybe $13 million a year, you know, three year deal, probably about 30, 32 million guaranteed. I think makes sense for him. Mm -hmm. I, I think that he's going to get, you know, uh, pretty big, you know, price from them. I think maybe, you know, a low cap hit in you know, the first year, and then it obviously right. picks up a lot in the other two years. But I, I I, do think that he'll, you know, remain, you know, guaranteed money, you know, whether that is lower or anything like that. As for Juwan Taylor, I still think that he's a guy who, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that it's a priority to them to try to sign him. That doesn't mean that I think that they're going to, you know, bend heaven and earth to, you know, make it happen and move mountains. But I, I think that they're going to make him an offer, it, whether or not he takes that offer or, you know, tries to 
go on the open market and sees what he can get because, you know, a 25 year old right tackle, former second round pick, he's never missed a game. You know, I think you, you said 14 million a year for him. And then he, I, who I think it was Field Yates of the ESPN. It wasn't really yeah. a report, but he guessed, you know, about 15 million. I think that's the price range that I think makes sense for him in on the open market. And can the Jaguars pay that? Of course they can. You know, you, you, you can pay anybody in the NFL, you know, if you want to. But should they, when they have, you know, one, walk a little waiting in the wings, and two, they have a scheme that and a quarterback that really makes things a little bit easier on offensive tackles. That's not to take away from the season that he had because he had a great season, but they are in a situation where they can potentially, you know, tell themselves, we don't need to spend that on a right tackle when we have, you know, we have Tyson Campbell, you know, the pan a year, we have Trevor to pan a couple of years, et cetera. So I think Ingram will be back. Whereas Taylor, I think is going to ultimately sign elsewhere, but I, I do think there is an, at least an attempt to keep both. Yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating because uh, I'm with you. Like, you have Walker Little. I thought Walker Little was going to be the starter last year at right tackle, yeah. to be completely honest with you. I did too. So, uh, I think it's time to get him on the field one way or another. And if I was them and I, I did let Jawan, or not let Jawan walk, but we just couldn't agree on a, on a number here, I'd probably be looking at this draft to to bolster that offensive tackle spot with, you know, with your – with your swing type of tackle. Yeah, no, absolutely. Cause I mean, that's a position where, you know, there, if you count him, Will Richardson, you know, not working out last year, Cole Van Landon, who was talked about as a guard swing type guy. He obviously, you know, hasn't really panned out, you know, there's a need for that. You know, the value of walk a little, you know, last year was the fact that if, you know, Cam Robinson or one Taylor went down, you had, you know, a high ceiling guy, who, you know, looks every part of an NFL starter who could step in. Most teams don't have that, you know, for a reason. And it will be hard to say, you know, if they would have that next year. But I do think I'm with you that they need the draft, you know, an offensive tackle at some point, you know, some some kind of young tackle for Phil Rauscher to, you know, develop on the side while the Jaguars, you know, roll with the guys that they got. Yeah, I think I think it was you too who um, mentioned Andre Dillard as a potential free agent signing yeah. out of Philly. Uh, a guy that Doug's obviously worked with. He has guard and tackle experience, was drafted to be a tackle, hasn't really panned out. So maybe you get him on a cheap free agent contract to be your swing tackle next year. Yeah, and then that's something that, you know, he's done in Philly. You know, he's he, he's he's been a death piece. So you know you can kind of get him that. I think that they're in a scheme that makes sense for him too. You know, it's a scheme that really values mobility along the offensive line. And, you know, like like you said, you know, Peterson was the head coach there when he got drafted. He hasn't panned out like people thought he would. But, I mean, as, as a pure swing tackle, I mean, you see guys like that all the time. You know, Jaguars a few years ago, as Cedric, you know, Abuhi as their swing tackle. You know, he was a former first-round pick. When, you know, he was coming out, I bet people would have never said, oh, he's going to be a swing tackle for, you know, the fourth-place AFC South team in his fifth season. But, you know, sometimes it just happens. Yep. Yes, it does. So flipping sides of the ball, obviously Dewan Smoot's a different situation because of the injury. Seems like probably they would be able to get him back for you know relatively cheap compared to what he earned with his play this off this year. But that is what it is. But I did want to ask you about Arden Key. Like, do you think some team's gonna come blow the door down trying to pay him as a starting pass rusher? I think if he hit free agency. 
I, I do think that would be enticing offers because he now has two years of production, you know, as opposed to last year when he was kind of just coming off that one year in San Francisco. And there could have been some people that said, you know, he was kind of a product of his environment. But I, I, I think the fact that he is an inside out rusher, you know, makes him extremely valuable and that there will be teams, you know, willing to throw, you know, considerable money at him. Maybe even some teams attempting to make him a starter. So I, I, I think just in terms of, like timeline, he should be someone the Jaguars, you know, try to sign, you know, relatively early, maybe one of the first guys of their group. Because, like I said, with Ingram, you could still, you know, franchise tag him and, you know, sign him later on and not have him actually play on the tag. And Juwan, you know, likely you can try to work on something early on, but maybe let him hit the market. Whereas Arden, I don't think he's a guy that you want to let hear other offers because, you know, like you said, I, I think there are definitely some teams that could make him, you know, some enticing ones and maybe bigger ones than Jacksonville can make. Yeah, I hope he gets all the money he can get, but I don't really want to see him as a starter. I think he is in such a perfect role uh, in and Jacksonville I, and, and and in San Francisco last year. I think he is too, and I think there's not every team that's a fit for him. And you know, some players sometimes have to ask themselves, you know, do they want the fit or you know the the price tag basically? And I I, I do think you know Key is somebody who would it, it'd probably be a tougher decision for. But if you're the Jaguars, I'm not sure you want to let him, you know, make, like you said, you know, keep him in Jacksonville in the world that he's in, you know, obviously he's earned, you know, more than what he made last year, but you know, he's a lot like Ingram, whereas, you know, Jacksonville, you know, both sides, like they know it's a good fit for both sides. Yeah. Well, we're, we're about uh, close to wrapping up here, but I did want to ask you a couple more questions before we get out of here real quick. Is Kevin Austin going to be wide receiver one in Jacksonville in 2023? <laughs> so I, I, somebody asked me if he was, if he was going to be the Marvin Jones replacement, and I'm like that 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 doesn't dignify doesn't dignify a, a, a response. But we'll see how next year's training camp goes. But uh, I'll never forget the constant ask of Kevin Austin updates last year, and I was just like out of respect to him, I'm not going to give them to you. It, it was, was a camp. Such a ridiculous situation, but uh, a lot of fun. Okay, so Super Bowl odds. They came out. I know SI has their their odds book or whatever it's called, an action network. I also saw both both uh, platforms had the Jaguars at ninth uh, in Super Bowl odds behind like the Cowboys, Ravens, Chargers. What was your quick thought about that? I mean, I think it makes sense to an extent because a lot of times Super Bowl odds, they go with like the teams who – have been seen as successful for longer, whereas, you know, kind of teams who have had that success for one year, like the Jaguars, they'd normally want to see them do it again. But, I mean, I honestly thought them getting in the top ten was a little more respect than I anticipated. I, I wasn't sure if odds makers were going to, you know, kind of recognize the trajectory that they're on, just, you know, known as Jacksonville and odds makers in Jacksonville. If, you know, <laughs> the Jaguars have never been even in their – best seasons, you know, even after the 2017 season, they weren't ever seen as, you know, a, a big threat or anything. So uh, I, you could probably argue that it's low. I mean, I think I even said in my article that they beat the Chargers twice. So why, why are there, you know, odds over? But I, I think it's a range that they can at least feel comfortable in. Yeah, they can definitely feel comfortable. Heck, they can even feel disrespected if they want to. You can always use that uh, to fuel you because you did beat the Calvin's Ravens and Cowboys Ravens and Chargers who are all ahead of you on this list. And I feel like it, it's pretty clear that of, of the teams that didn't really make the championship round, which team has the most upward mobility 
has the best upward trajectory. I mean, it's Doug Peterson's team going into year two with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, there are questions about, you know, all these other teams. You know, the Ravens, there's a question on who the quarterback's going to be. Cowboys, they're going to have a new play caller, and they're obviously facing a lot of pressure. You know, Chargers going to have a new play caller, and Staley's probably going to be feeling the hot seat a little bit. I mean, the Jaguars, you know, for once are, you know, the stable team. Yeah, pretty wild. Wild times here in Duval County. Last thing I wanted to chat with you about here real quick, AFC South, you've got some new blood here in the coaching ranks. You got D'Amico Ryan's returning to Houston, Shane Steichen going to Indy. You have any thoughts on those two hires? I, I think D'Amico is a great hire for Houston. I know obviously it's an offensive league and everybody, you know, wants to hire an offensive guy, but I, I think the biggest part of being a head coach is, you know, leadership and communication. And I think from everything that you've seen, from D'Amico and, you know, from conversations I've had of people who have, you know, played for D'Amico, been around D'Amico, you know, he's one of the absolute best that you're going to find the entire NFL, you know, in that regard. And so I, I think he would have been a home run hire if he wasn't one of the best defensive minds in football. And he just so happens to also be, you know, one of the best defensive coaches in football. So I think that was a home run hire, you know, whether they hit on quarterback or obviously decide his future, because you could have said a lot of these same things about Robert Sala a few years ago and they missed on the quarterback. And now he doesn't look as rosy as he did, but I think on the surface to me, cause a good hire, uh, same Steichen. I honestly don't have like a firm take on him. I obviously, you know, the Eagles had a great offense this year. They were designed very well. They played really well to the guy's strengths, but it was also kind of like the Monstars, you know, offense. You know, they had the best offensive line in football, a top five tight end, two number one receivers. You know, obviously they got the most out of Hurts, but, you know, it's not like that. And the great spot. defense helped that too. Yeah, exactly. So um, he's somebody who I, I don't, I'm not blown away by his pre Eagles, you know, kind of resume, but. Yeah, hiring a quarterback's guy for when you're about to, you know, draft a quarterback, I get it. And it's not just Saturday. So it, it definitely wasn't the worst case scenario for the Colts. Yeah, definitely not worst case scenario. And with the Texans, Jamico Ryans, it looks like they're going to have Bobby Slowick as the OC, another San Francisco guy. So they'll have that Shanahan style offense. I definitely think the AFC South is more interesting than it was if, a week ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I mean, just the idea that, you know, you're probably going to have two first-round quarterbacks in the in the division next year. You know, the, the Titans, you know, maybe they dump Ryan Tannehill, you know, to the Jets or something. Maybe they're picking higher than expected. So maybe you have three first-round quarterbacks in the division next year, along with Trevor Lawrence. You know, it's, it's definitely a more exciting-looking division right now than it was, like you said, a week ago. No doubt about it. Well, John, I really appreciate your time. Fired up to have you on the show. We'll have to have you on again, maybe like after free agency and the draft and all that stuff to actually talk about things the Jaguars actually have done. <laughs> speculate. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it, John. Thanks for having me on, brother. I appreciate it. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to Duval Daily. Make sure to follow John on Twitter at underscore John underscore Shipley and subscribe to the Jaguar Report on YouTube. They're putting out some great podcasts. Have a great one, Duval. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.